0: I am New York City-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, a licensed clinical social worker, and I am your host of the Black Therapist Podcast, formerly Black in Therapy. The Black Therapist Podcast is a place where we will discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. You can listen to our show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can follow us on Instagram, the Black Therapist Podcast, or you can hit us up on our website. And sign up for our mailing list at blacktherapistpodcast.com. Also, on our website, you can find the links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. You can also email us show suggestions, general feedback, and any ideas that you have for, I don't know, guests at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, 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 and welcome back. Oh, so... It has been two weeks since the last episode, and i you only got me for a limited time. Let me say this. I've been working really hard on the Finding Happy Course, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy, and in the middle of it, working on the workbook, I loved it so much, I decided it's going to be my first book, and so ah, that... Has been taking up a lot of my time Um, And recently Like a lot of people When I've been doing a lot more talking And a lot more speaking engagements People are like well when is the book coming out And when is the book coming out Well now the book will be out very soon And um, in terms of my timeline I have other projects that I really wanted to get out This year But um, It's nearly done And I like let Somebody read it my 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 good good girlfriend read it and put eyes on it and let me know what she liked about it and just kind of this process of creating and using my abilities and my talents for um in this manner is very scary. I think I've mentioned that before. I think I feel like last few episodes I've just been talking about the fear of just doing things that have been placed on your heart and being a writer is something that I've always wanted to do it's what my undergrad is in it's part of who I've always been but sharing things with the world it's not always been easy for me and so I need a lot more time to create and do that that said uh you guys should have some contents and some shows that uh we will have out for the next few weeks, I say, maybe at least another month, at least through June, um, maybe through the end of August, what I'm doing is re-releasing some of of the content that I've shared on other platforms, some of the interviews that I've done over the the years, or most recently this year, Uh, some of the other stuff that I've done previous to this, as well as, some webinars that I've done for other people. I've done some things in Tiffany Aliche's group, the Budget Nista, And so I just want to like release some of the other things that I've done it's just to give you guys content, just let you know what else I got going on, what else we have available in terms of like resources that you guys can use and getting you going on your mental health journey and practice. And so... I feel the need to like keep you guys engaged and like release some things, but I need a break. If you follow me on my social media, you'll see that I'm probably not posting that much on my Instagram page. I'm trying to stay off Facebook because a lot of people share news and new events and it's just like emotionally triggering for me. I'm at a place right now. I don't know if if it's this time of year, if it's where I am mentally, if it's where I am spiritually, I don't know. I feel very vulnerable. Um, I know today has some significance for me too, which I won't share, but I feel very strange, peculiar, I'll say in terms of just like not not wanting to do certain things. I think that we all kind of have a lull. In the beginning of this, the year, we're all like gun ho with all of our, you know, what is it, New resolutions and like our goals for the year. And for first quarter, we're all kind of like rushing, rushing with all of these plans. And the end of fourth quarter, the year before, we're like, oh, next year I'm going to do da-da-da-da-da. And then I feel like now that we're, you know, One week away from six months in, I'm kind of just kind of over everything, to be honest with you. I'm kind of rethinking how I'm doing my business. I'm rethinking how I'm doing my my life, my personal life. And then just being able to come off a vacation, I feel like I want more self-care. I have to be able to find some sort of balance between what I do. Being a receptacle for other people's thoughts, feelings, and emotions and balancing my own. And full disclosure, like I have not been to therapy in a while. And I think I need to start going back because I just feel very overwhelmed. And self-care and self-awareness is something that I really try to be in tune with. As well as, you know, changing my nutrition and changing what I'm putting in my, my body in every orifice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um it's just kind of like you know I'm I'm trying to balance my chi and protect my energy. And so I want to kind of slow down a little bit on the the inputs that I have in my, my life, informational input, social media stuff, et cetera. And then I'm a human being, so I see other people posting about certain things going on in their life and other things happening to other people and other people being blessed with certain things. And I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm working hard, Lord. Like, when is my day coming? And so I know that that stuff isn't real, and we can get bogged down with, with that, and those could just be distractions to take you off your your path and taking your eyes off your own paper, But I'm a human being, and because I'm in this human form with these thoughts, feelings, and emotions, I have to learn to balance them, be aware of them, and knowing what I need to do in order to self-correct for them. So part of that is going to be to scale back on the podcasting and the content that I'm creating over here, and I really want to try to do that in a way that honors the relationship that we're building, you know what I mean? And so, like I said, I have a few shows that I'm going to um, queue up and release. And maybe in the meanwhile, if I hear something or if I see something that makes me want to talk, we will. And so this week's show is an exciting one because last week I got the opportunity to speak at a mental health panel. May was mental health month, mental health awareness month. I don't know. I don't know, all of these months, right? But May was, I believe, Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I sat on a panel that was hosted by one of my good girlfriends, Helen Williams Nurse. And the event was called Moms of Teens. And it was a really intimate gathering. It was supposed to be a panel discussion, but it really truly was just like Q&A. She asked us some really dope questions and the audience was able to ask us questions about, you know, raising their children. So the panel included myself, Jeanette Oaks, who is a social worker. She works for the Department of Education here in Brooklyn and New York. And Byron Young, who works for our city's initiative, which is the Thrive Initiative, which is if you live in New York City, Thrive is a good resource. Our first lady of the city has made it a made mental health kind of her platform because her daughter was suicidal and she has a mental health diagnosis. Um, our first lady also had a diagnosis and I've discussed this and talked about this a little bit on the show prior to this event. So the event was, it was dope and it was encouraging. And I'm going to let you guys hear the clip of the show. Um, it's really long and I kind of try to keep the show's format to a certain length so it will be part one will be this week and part two will be next week and so with that said i'm gonna let the show play and talk to you
1: later moms i'm calling i call it mom because i'm a mom and you know i know a lot lots of mommies and that's who my network is um going forward parents period Mm -hmm. um But um, So as I was saying, I was going through some things with my daughter, and I just thought, why not bring some moms together, especially for Mother's Day, um, to talk about, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month as well. So it's going to be a great merger to, to kind of have a discussion, an intimate discussion, to talk about things that we're going through with our children, and to get some people to have some support and to give us some solutions to um, some of the issues we might be facing. Um, so that's where it came from. And I have decided that I think I want to take this nation, nationwide because I have friends all over the country who are like, oh my God, I'm going through it, you know, da, 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 and I wish I could be there. And I was like, well, you know, I might be coming to your city. So um, that's what that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, most people know me from my um, clothing business. I have a fish clothing business. Um, but more so than anything, I love bringing women together. Like, that's my thing. i about my girls by my mamas in any shape, form, and fashion that I can. I love supporting women in any way. I also have an organization called She Fed Mama Business, and it's for stay home It started as for stay-at-home moms who wanted to start their own business, but it just became for moms and women who want to start their own business. And um, every year, I was I was granting a stay-at-home mom just seed money to start a business. Um, but what I found was the the stay-at-home mom few years ago became really scarce. So what I started doing with that grant was granting it to a young woman going to college for books or whatever. So that's kind of my background and my skill and um, yeah. So I wanna introduce the panel and they can each talk a little bit about themselves and how I um, envision this going is that they talk a little bit about what they do and then I had just some general questions but you guys can at the end ask questions if you want. This is an intimate setting, so it, I think it's gonna read more like a dialogue between us. Uh, between us, if that's good for you guys. Okay. So first, I'm gonna introduce Miss Nikita Banks to my left, and she can talk a little bit about what she does.
0: Hi. So my name is Nikita Banks. I am uh, One
1: second. Can everyone decide silence their homes? Okay. So okay. okay.
0: So my name is Nikita Banks. I'm a licensed psychotherapist um, in private practice of my hometown, Best Buy, Brooklyn, <laughs> New York. Uh, my office is 1118 Bedford Avenue, which is up the block. Um, and uh, my private practice is basically primarily women of color and families. Um, I do some couples work. I also work with some teens. Um, I leave the the child work to these two here. (laughs) But um, I work primarily with with teens. I think teens are a little bit more pliable um, because they're at, at the phase in their lives where they are kind of stepping out on their own and trying to discover themselves and who they are in terms of moving away from the family, as opposed to child work, which is just a lot of people wanting us to come in and fix their children without understanding that the child the child is a symptom of something that's broken in the family and the whole family needs to heal and um so i, I don't really work too much with younger children no more than adolescents but um, i do work with teens mostly teen girls so um i have a podcast which is been recording for now it's <laughs> called the black mm-hmm. belt podcast and um on there i am very transparent before i became a psychotherapist myself, I was somebody who suffered from a form of depression, and in getting healthy and confident in that, I decided that I wanted to give that to a lot of women who look like me. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, next we have Dr. Byron Young. I'm
1: just going to go in the way they're sitting, and you can you tell us a little bit
2: about Sure. Thank you guys for having me very nice to be Hi. here. Um, my name is Dr. Byron Young. I'm a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, um, I also uh, do a lot of consulting and development of like emotional wellness, uh, kind of curriculum and programming. Um, uh, I'm from New Orleans originally, uh, and went to uh, undergrad at Xavier in a medical school at Tulane and then came to New York for residency and fellowship. And so, uh, have kind of fallen in love with the city, fallen in love with Brooklyn and so still here. Um. I, my primary job, I work for the city's Thrive NYC initiative. You guys heard of that? Mm-hmm, yes. Uh, so I work for the Mental Health Service Corps, which is the largest of those initiatives. Uh, and I'm a collaborative care doctor. So I basically teach primary care doctors, like your internal medicine doctor or your kid's pediatrician, the nuances of um, diagnosing and treating kids with mental health issues or adults with mental health issues. Um, so not just like how to use medication, but when not to use it, when to use it, when to go to a higher level of care, um, And you know how to uh, kind of um, helping them feel comfortable uh, in that treatment. Particularly for child psychiatrists, it's a really underserved field. There's like, I think, 8,300 and they need like 30,000. So the notion of doing that task shifting is important. Um, Also, there's a lot of research that shows that folks just aren't as likely to stick with a psychiatrist as they are with their trusted primary care doctor. There's all kinds of reasons, stigma, and that kind of thing. Um, But it's really fun work. So, in that capacity, I actually don't see patients, I just kind of teach other folks. And I also teach um, some behavioral health clinicians, most of which are, are social workers as well, kind of uh, the nuances of psychotherapy. And so uh, kind of um, uh, helping to supervise that and see the P department care doctors in those clinics that I work in, which is every borough except for Staten Island. Uh, so that's fun work. And then um, I work actually right around the corner as a little part-time job, the Children of Promise. Have you guys heard of Children of Promise? Yes. It's a really cool organization that serves Uh, the children of incarcerated parents Um, and so yeah so I I do I actually do outpatient psychiatry there so see some families there um, in the uh, in that capacity and again uh, the consulting stuff is kind of something that's kind of new for me so I've been having a good time consulting with like organizations like Google Um, the city's Department of Health is is pretty much where I started with that and lots of fun projects Um, so I'm having a good time glad to be here Uh,
1: Thank you for coming. Sure. And um, we have Mr. Neville
3: who will tell us a little bit about So, Good afternoon. Uh, I'm really glad to see everyone here. I've told me 20 years I have worked in the Department of Education as a social worker. And within that role, a social worker in the school, which I really want to talk about in terms of getting services and coordination today, you can have different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, as a social worker in school, I primarily work with kids who are in special ed. Um, who are exhibiting behaviors where they're not able to function within a school setting? So, a big part of my job is to help them look at different behaviors, working with families to coordinate services um, and things of that nature to make sure that your child can come to school, feel comfortable, and be academically successful. Um, and one of the things that I really um, enjoyed doing prior to getting to the school system, I work a lot in preventive care. if you're familiar with preventive services, we should actually go across the street working with community services and uh, I was basically working with a lot of families moving to the home and addressing you know, a variety of different issues. So I have a vast background, I've done a lot of things and in terms of working with kids who are struggling in capacity, it's something that I do every single day and I work with people like both these individuals that I'm sitting next to, psychiatrists, therapists, you know, in different services so I'm hoping that we can kind of talk a little bit about that, so you can get your child, or if you know someone, to correct help. It's um, really, really important. Okay,
1: so um, I wanted to, I did not have any specific questions I have so many, um, but first, what, um, what does a teen who is having mental health issues, what does that look like? And I'm asking that question because um, what I've found I'm talking to some parents is that it looks like it's there's a spectrum of, um, like some kids have depression and anxiety and other children might have um, more severe kind of issues. So what, could you just talk a little bit about like in your experiences what that has looked like? And um,
4: yeah, and I'm
1: asking, again I'm asking that because I know that a lot of us, um, even growing up, I've heard people say, Oh, you're all right. You'll be all right. Just, you know, if like kind of brush it off. And then they'll say, like, how teens will exhibit certain behaviors. And they're like, Oh, she's just acting fast. He's just acting this way, that way. But um, since I've been going through this journey, I've thought about it a lot differently. And a lot of times, I think those teenagers or children can be dealing with some type of mental health issues. But you think of mental health as someone with mental health issues is someone in a room in a straight jacket. Right? And that's usually what my picture would be, but I know that that's not the only way you can look at teens or.
3: So I would say, I mean, being in a school, a lot of times we're probably the first people to um, parent make contact or they didn't come to school. If You have a child and you see that they exhibit behaviors that are not familiar to you. First, I should say that sometimes a kid may have behaviors that you've seen from the time that they're very young, mm-hmm. and then there's a progression that, you know, with those behaviors. And I can't say there's anything specific because every child is different, right? So if you had a child that was outgoing and now they are <coughs> you're sleeping a you're not talking to your friends, you know, and you're just like, hmm, something's not right, right? You call me a friend, your sister, like, I'm really concerned. And it, go, it comes to mental illness when it's, there's a long period of time of these behaviors um, and then you get them to help and see if there's a diagnosis. So I would say it starts with you as a, Adult, whether it's a relative, a friend, or your child, you see behaviors that you're concerned about. You may not be able to pinpoint where it is, but you then go into the professionals and say, Listen, these are the concerns. Because sometimes some behaviors are age appropriate, right? You have to know what are age appropriate um, signs of a kid or behaviors of a kid. And sometimes some are a little eccentric, eccentric at 14. They want behavior, and whatever. And maybe you come from a conservative background. You're like, you crazy. No, then that may be. His development or her development. So it depends on you know who's looking at it, right? the period of time, your level of concern. Are they not functioning? Are they not able to do the normal things as supposed to do every day? Get up, take a shower, and they, and they can get that serious. You know, they come to school, they used to go to class, now they are in one class, they're withdrawn, they're not doing the science, It can be a lot of different things. So when you're concerned over a long period of time, they have to you speak about the DSM.
2: Um, and in terms of trying to diagnose, it depends on the amount of behaviors. Sure, I think, I mean, I think one of the, uh, everything you said was very, very poignant, uh, particularly what I, I would you took something out of my mind, um, the notion of getting in the way of functioning is really a big thing, and so if something is consistently getting in the way of your child's functioning academically, socially, uh, in terms of their ability to kind of engage the world, engage their relationships, and not, not just romantic relationships, but friendships and that kind of thing, um, then that's probably like a flag that you should probably inspect and see what that's about. Um, even, even academic things, like if a kid's failing class, like failing one grade, there's probably a reason that they failed, and you know, whether it's like something you need to investigate in terms of like uh, a learning disorder or something like that, or if it's something like ADHD, something like depression, something like anxiety, lots of those particular, lots of those um, diagnoses have lots of commonalities. And so you can't say that every kid who's failing school has ADHD, right? Sometimes kids who have depression or anxiety can have the same kind of intentional struggles. And so I think uh, that's something to know. I think, you know, I think more than anyone, parents and particularly mothers, I'll say, are quite savvy at knowing something's off, right? And so, Lots of these disorders start. I think this, there's a, a set that says 50 percent, 50 percent of mental health disorders start by age 14. So like, right. So these things start in the kind of adolescent time period. You can see anxiety a little earlier, but you know something's changing, something's different. And so I think the notion of like just seeking to get even just an evaluation is something that's really powerful. You, oh yeah. You. Can we assume yeah. We assume? Yeah, oh, yeah. Why yes, not? Okay. Yeah. Like for example,
1: I, I feel
5: sometimes our schools have failed our kids, honestly, Mm because I have a child that it was around age three, something was different, Mm -hmm. and again, like, our people tend to say, oh, nothing is wrong, even her own pediatrician was like, she'll grow out of it, but I knew there's something wrong Mm -hmm. after, for me, I didn't know about autism or anything on that, Mm -hmm. but it just seems like I lost her after she got her first, um, her first, um, so thank God I have a savvy girlfriend, sorry, sister, who works in the school system, in the DOE, who's a psychologist. Get her evaluated. So I did get her evaluated, and then in the early evaluation, they did say, you know, that she has, you know, um, she's in the spectrum, that she, okay. But DOE also said to me she would never be any, not be any, but the way they said it was like this, it wasn't going to go in you. Like this where she is is where she is. And like you say, so thank God let's fast forward to my child now who plays, who's a who's a guitarist with 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 um, with etc. But for her to get there, it took a lot of what I had to do. Now she's high functioning, but still as a mother, you still see things that this just isn't this is not a This is not where a 16-year-old still should be. Like she's high-functioning, so the school, even she goes to Beacon High School, even at her middle school, they didn't test her well, they they didn't do a lot of the testing they needed, and still not, though she's high-functioning, and I'm hearing that a lot of times girls tend to fall in the back burner. Though they're high-functioning, but you're coming to the school like, these are things she's not doing. You tell her something, you
3: can't immediately forget like so you're making a a great point you were proactive you saw something you had resources this is where sometimes in our communities is an issue you had someone who could recognize behaviors and could navigate it and that is that is a big that is a big breakdown is it the school it is a matter of trying to know how to coordinate those services And i don't want to take it but i want to talk about how you navigate services within a school you know sometimes a parent will initiate. It's very simple. You write a letter. My child is acting whatever. Can you please evaluate them? It's not even that sophisticated. And then, then the evaluation that happens in the school, they, they may look at their functioning in terms of what grade level they're on. But it's not a thorough evaluation. I want to make that clear. Right, well, they would see autism. No, evaluation. right. But how
5: do parents, uh-huh. when you feel the school is not giving the right belt, Who do we go to—I'm going to come to you because I need you at the end of this. (laughs) Who do do we—because my daughter tried to let us know that she was in the last last year we come and think, but she didn't. But her father has depression, so it it seems like how they say an apple won't fall fall Mm -hmm. from the tree. But you know, there's things that she holds in. And yeah, I am, the parents here who go to school, our parents and our children with to the same school, they know I'm that helicopter mom that pushes and pushes and pushes. But when I saw that note, I said, is it me pushing too much? But still, she's high functioning, she's doing extremely well at school, but you know there's something hidden, and you go to the school, and everything is like, well, she's doing good at school, there's nothing we can do, but you know there's something in her. So, how do we, as parents, where do we go to get further eva- further help? Because I want someone who looks like me to talk to my kid. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's how I feel. Now, it's when, hard to find, them. Yes. That's it's the hard point. to find. So I mean, how do we go and get help when we know there's something going on with your child that they're not coming to you, and they won't go to the school?
0: So it, it's up to us as parents. Um, as I stated to her before, so I used to teach. I say I'm a reform teacher, but I just teach in different ways now. Um, And part of when I taught, I was in an inclusion class, which meant that it's a pushing class. So there's a general education teacher and a special education teacher in the class. And I would, because I'm a mom, I'm, I'm a helicopter mom myself, and my practice is called proactive mental wellness, because I believe a lot of people are reactive and not proactive. And I think that we have to start getting and, and, and looking for social services before something happens. Um, not to, to, I'm going to answer your question, but we have to start thinking of our children as humans. I don't think that a lot of us honor their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. A lot of the disruptions that we see in their functioning and, and things have to do with social issues that they have. A lot of it has to do with what they have going on in the home. A lot of it has to do with what's going on in school. Um, and you know, to answer the original question of if you see something that is out of norm or their function is, is lower, you may wanna find somebody outside of yourself for them to talk to. So my son is high-functioning, goes to Syracuse University, went to Tech. I've had no problems with him. However, recently, him and his father have been at each other's throat a little bit more. I had to remove myself from the situation and get him somebody that he can talk to. So I sent him to my colleague, who's a therapist, because I wanted him to go to somebody who looked like me, who he could identify with, but who wasn't me who he could speak freely with and and talk to about his issues. Because even though I think he's great, even though he has friends, even though he's functioning at a high level, I can tell that the distress that's going on between him and his father is a problem for him. And he needs to have a safe space to speak. So to get back to Helen's original point, there are two types of of people in this, this world, people who have mental health issues and people who have mental health diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has a diagnosis, but all of us have issues. Have,
1: wait, that was a Hold on, can
0: you say that again? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> anyway. again, um, you know, there are two types of people in this world. People who have mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. Not everybody has a diagnosis, but everybody has issues. Yes. And all the issue is, is it's it's something that is going to happen to you, that is going to um, impact your life in some way that is beyond your skill set to deal with them. And whether it's death, whether it's loss, whether it's a job, whether it's divorce, whether it's having a baby, whether it's a life of change, sometimes joyful things stress us out, right? So we have to, we have to understand that if, if we as adults with all of our life Experience, go through these emotional changes. Imagine what that's like for our children who don't have that frame of reference. Yes.
6: So then my question is that: What about when the mental illness is on us, and we not we haven't really been diagnosed, mm-hmm. but we go through our own right our pressures of being a parent, or the guilt that we're not doing enough? You know, I, I put a post a couple of weeks ago that I don't think I haven't been diagnosed with mental mental illness, but I know that I go through. Uh, maybe twice or three times a year, but there's a week or two at a time. I'm in a funk and I'm in my own depressed state. So, my question is then what advice, if it's not the children who are going through it, but it's the parents, how we can go through our own mental disturbance and still parent?
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Well, I want
3: to say, it's great that you are having awareness, right? Because most people don't even have an awareness. And you're the person that's in charge of trying to keep this family together. Right. And I can't stress enough how important it is whether it's you and you have children who are struggling for you to get help. You know when you're on the plane and they say it's going down, you get your mask, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't help anybody if you don't help yourself. Yep. So it's important for you to you may have recognized that in yourself. There's a lot of help out here. You go and talk to somebody, you know, so you can at least speak about it. Okay, she can let me help you get something. Yes. yes.
0: It is in your budget. Yes. That's because true. if you if you don't pay for it today, you'll pay for it later. And and, and and what we refuse to invest in now costs a lot more later yeah so I didn't I didn't tend, intend to tell my story but um eight years ago I eight, I think it maybe about eight or ten years ago I was was dealing with the depression they know what that is you guys I call it like a touch of depression you know like it, but it's not it's not it's not where i couldn't function i can go out i can laugh i I had i had periods of joy but for a long time in my life it was just dissatisfaction i was unhappy our feelings are our antenna and they let us know this ain't it so when we when we have emotional disturbances of sadness anger whatever that are unexplained that's just our our god language to let us know what we're doing isn't working what you're doing isn't working and so what i had to do i told my mother my mother said to pray thanks like i didn't grow up in church and didn't pray every day to, to take this thing up off me right i got up i taught you you, you people's children while i was depressed right there, there was one day that i had such a bad day I'm, I'm, i would be ashamed to tell this story if it wasn't true but I cried in between classes and teaching people's children. And I taught one class with glasses on, like sunglasses on, because my eyes were so swollen. And I told the children that my father died. And I had a black woman principal who, she just stuck with me. And she was like, you know what? We got you. After telling my friends, I realized that oh, my friends were all depressed and unhappy with their lives. And they weren't satisfied in their relationships. So it all seemed like normal to them when I was like, when my real life comes, I'm not gonna do this in, in this anymore. When my real life comes, I'm not gonna be in this kind of predicament again. But they thought I was crazy, because I was like talking about this imaginary life that I now have, right? Okay. And so, I went to my doctor, and I, every year around my birthday, I got my doctor's appointment, and I asked her for like 15,000 other doctors, and she slipped in there on oh, I, okay. I, I think I need to take care. And this is my, my doctor who's been my family doctor since I've had my son, because I didn't go to the doctor before I had my son. GYN, was that it. Um, that's another thing we, we too have to start taking care of ourselves, teaching our young daughters to take care of themselves. And, and so our sons to go to the doctor and take care of themselves, our husbands, right? So um, I said, I, I, have to, I need a therapist. But people don't do that. <laughs> and she said, Well isn't it isn't it good you're progressive? She's French. She's <laughs> white French lady. She's like, isn't it good that that you you know you're progressive? So she gave me a script to uh, some medication. I went home, told my girlfriend like we all do, girl, I went to the doctor, I asked her for this, 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 doctor. I told her I need to And she was like, Oh, you gonna really go? And I was like, Yeah, and then she gave me some medication too. And she's like, don't take that medication. Don't take that medication. And I was like, I already took the medication. Because <laughs> I was willing to do whatever I needed yes. to do to do yeah. to yes. yeah. right. I was literally functioning. I was, I was getting up in the morning and going to work and getting my son to school and going to bed. And I would come home and make his dinner and go to bed. Like, I, was, I lived in my bed. And it wasn't functioning for me. right. And I was like, I'm too young to be this tired. I keep complaining about that. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. It was depression. So I took the medication, I was up. And I'm, I'm, so I'm like, wait a minute. But I get nauseous, she so everything. So the side effects. And then I thought to myself, my doctor is a great pediatrician. But she's a psychiatrist. Like, she don't know extra training. She's just giving me stuff. Because a lot of times you when know, our doctors, especially she's known me for 20 plus years, she just wanted to make me feel better. She don't do whatever she could do to make me feel better. She wanted want to see me crying every year on my appointment. So she gave me a, a, a therapist to speak to. And I sat down, this little Jewish man, and I was like, let me do him?" And he, he grew up in a project. And he was good as any, anybody in this room. And he sat down and he said, I'm going to listen to your problems, and I I use this now in my practice. He said, I'm going to listen to your problems. If I think I can help you, you get to stay. If I don't think I can help you, I'm going to find you somebody who can. And then I was like, all right, cool, so I may never have to see him again. I'm just going to tell him everything. And when I got finished, he says, "Um, I think this is workable. Besides, you got, you, you got a lot of things going on. We can work this out. And I said, okay. I still slept every day, all day at this point. I was kind of working inconsistently, working around my, my sleep schedule. <laughs> but I made a, a, a point to go to my therapy appointment. If I missed, if I was late, he was on the phone with me. What's going on? Where you at? What's going on? And it held me accountable. After a few years of going to him, I was like, you know what? I feel so much better. I want to give this feeling to other people who look like me. He said, I think it'd be great. I thought I was arrogant. I thought I was crazy. I'm still battling with it, but I wanted to feel, to give it to other people. What I noticed is that my friends noticed a difference in me. Some of them shot away from you because when you're very healthy, sometimes you highlight the unhealthiness in other people and they move out of your way. And Those who wanted to get healthy stayed with me. And those are the people that are still my friends to this day. So all of my friends either are in therapy or have gone to therapy since me being so vocal about this changing my life. And now it's because of what I do for a living, they call me for
4: pre-therapy.
0: But you know, you have to, like she said, I use that analogy all the time in, in my practice about putting your own mask on first, but you also have to think about your mental health as cleaning out your closet. Whenever you clean out your closet, it gets messy. I mean, it gets it. Whenever you are cleaning out your closet, it gets messy. I just cleaned out mine last week, and I wanted to hurt myself. Please don't lock me up.
4: But I wanted to hurt
0: myself <laughs> because I was so tired that all I wanted to do was go to sleep. And then, and then, what do we do when we clean up? We uh, clean out our bedroom closet. We end up throwing all that stuff on the floor. So that we can go to bed and come back to it later. Sometimes you have to rest in between yeah. and come back to it later. And it took me about two or three days, but now my closet and my room is clean. Like your mental health and dealing with your issues, it's going to get messier before it gets clean. But you have to be committed to the process. I was thinking, listening you
3: listen to you, sometimes you're right in terms of trying to find a way out in the Right? and it is hard, you have children in an ordinary situation, but money can be an issue. Some of um, the schools like NYU, they have students, right, who are, maybe in medical school, um, like everyone, they, i have access to when I was an undergrad, undergrad, I went to therapy through the clinics, right, which was provided to me as a student, but they, they work with people in the community. Some bicaragers have sliding scales, okay, where they will look at your income um, and then you can charge accordingly. But I think what's really important is that making it a priority. You know, mm-hmm. you're in the driver's seat in your family. So yes. you can't afford to fall apart, right? I'm looking at you and I see like, oh Lord, I did it. <coughs> but there, there are resources, so look for someone that has a sliding scale or at least look to have an like it's on there. It's it's a student, like some, everybody starts somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and it's better to get some help. And, you know, ultimately, no oh. with time you anything it's better, you can get a different therapist. You know, but it's important to just start, and just go you know, really figure out
2: what's going on. I think the self-care piece is really important and it's something that we always say we're gonna do, but it somehow gets on the back burner. And I think, so I think really making the realization that your mental health is at the root of everything. So financial health is important. Yeah. Uh, you know your kids being alright are important, but the mental health piece is at the core of how you like see the world and how how you kind of interact with the world. And so really being very intentional about every day making that a priority. And so whether that's like simple things like going to take a walk, going to, you know do something like yoga exercise, whatever. Those things are really important. So it can't be this cliche like oh, because every time really, we say self care and everybody's like ah, but then we walk out the door and nothing changes. And so it definitely has, has to be a situation where you kind of come to a new understanding of how things go. There's so many issues from like, how our parents parented us, like there are some situations there where where things weren't always appropriate, right? And and recognizing that just because you came out okay, right? You want your kids to thrive, right? You want to reach your level where you thrive too. And so I think there has to be a real understanding of that as well. Um, I think with the Davis thing, there's a number, um, New York City has NYC Well, and so I think the number is 1-888-NYC Well. You can also Google NYC Well, it'll come up, but you can, Oh, we have some of them. So you can call NYC Well, and NYC Well for pretty much any issue you're thinking about around mental health, and they should be able to, able to help you find someone like a sliding scale therapist, like she spoke about. There's also a website called uh, Psychology Today where you can find therapists and you can um, put in mm-hmm. your, okay. and you can put in your insurance and it'll help you, and, if your you have, and it'll help you find people who take. Who take of so, stuff. so those are really okay. good ways to do it. But I really do think there has to be something where, like, even if you have to put it in your phone as a reminder to repeat every day, self care, self care, self care, self care. Because I think that an
6: issue, especially with us, when when we when, when we had teams. That means that we're operating in our 40s, mm-hmm. going towards our 50s. Mm-hmm. So not only are we dealing with having teens, yeah, but we're getting true. ready to go through the change. Yes. And I am, I don't know if I'm going through it yet, but I feel like I'm emotional over everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if anyone else is dealing with that, but I, mm-hmm. I without crying, I feel like I take, I feel, I, I'm a good mom, but I still in being a good mom feel like I'm not doing you especially with a kid in college who's a great kid, or especially when you got good kids. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you got good kids and your kids aren't challenging, and, and you're not giving them all that you can. I'm dealing with that, and then it's the the NA, the 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 other component where, like you said, we're doing it different from our parents and we're teaching them that they can be all that they can and then they got this self, um, what is it? We, not enabled them, but they got this self like entitlement shit that's going on. <laughs> so my, like, my son said to me, he's in school, he's finishing his, 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 his uh, fourth semester at Binghamton. And right now both his parents are financially struggling and I said to him, I said, this is temporary. I said, this is, this is, this is not our future, we are doing the best we can do. His
4: response was, if this is
0: the best we can do, then I'm scared for the future. Wait, wait. Wait. And so, this was last week. But see, we are are raising people's husbands. And we are raising people's fathers. And so, what we have to do is we have to, there's a saying that, that black women love our sons
6: Raise our, and raise our daughters.
0: So my son, the, the, the issue in my household is that the father decides that he doesn't want to pay for my son's last year of college. And I said, we've gotten you this far, you will do it out. You won't graduate if I have to pay the money by myself. Not that I cannot afford it, but why should I have to? Because year after year after year, I've been instructing you to be able to be self-sufficient and to fly. So if the rug could be snatched out from under you at any given time, you have to be ready to do what you need to do to get what you have to get. He is a man. And it's only but so much I am going to be able to do for him if he cannot do for himself. And if you don't want to listen, listen. Yes, I'm going to give you some direct instructions on self-care, especially since you mentioned that you go through going through the change. Make an appointment with your pediatrician. I mean your pediatrician. Make an appointment with your doctor. Explain to them what's going on with you. You may need to see an endocrinologist to check out your hormone levels. You may need to figure out whether this is psychological or physiological. Deal with that first. That's your first step. If you have insurance, you can afford to do that. Like you said, if you have insurance, there's somebody out here that is going to
1: take your insurance. If you
0: don't have somebody that out here that's going to take your insurance, you could call New York City Well. You could also go to Midtown Community Court in Manhattan. You could also go to Red Hook um, Mental Health Court in Brooklyn. They have um, drop-in centers where you can go and see a therapist for free ninety-nine. Free ninety-nine. Okay. Um, in my, in my course, I teach a mental health course. that tells you what happens during the first intake, what happens with, during your first appointment, how to support somebody who's going through mental health. Because I was getting all of these questions, and I don't have time on the phone them. So if you text GET HAPPY to 66866, the course will be directly to your phone. And it's an online course, and in there I talk about seven ways you will be able to get a therapist, some of them are paid ways, some of them are free ways. NAMI, N A M I, National Alliance on Mental Illness. They also have drop sensors in there, usually their courses, their, their therapy is free. And it teaches you when you have NAMI is a great organization because let's say if you find out that your 14 year old, 12 year old, 20 year old, 40 year old has a mental illness, they will provide you with understanding on how to deal with it. They will teach you about that that illness. But first you have to find out if it's if it's a physical thing or if it's a mental thing. And even if because it is a change in life. You may need somebody to speak to because it means a lot to a lot of different women to no longer be able to bear children, to no longer, you know, be young and desirable or whatever you think that that milestone is. Like it means a lot, you know, to to be 40 and look great and be middle age. You know what I'm saying? Like it means a lot. So I would suggest that you go and speak to, to a therapist at some point.
2: Can I quickly add yeah, on to her, to her point? So you were asking for some specific stuff that I wanted to, to add on. Um, there's an organization in terms of helping you navigate schools called Advocates for Children. Mm-hmm. And so this organization has a whole bunch of lawyers that work with them oh, yeah. and will, like, use that kind of – they don't even usually go to court. They just use their lawyer, like, I'm a lawyer, you better do right, and it helps schools navigate things in a, in a better way. It sounds like if what your kid is going through, sounds like yeah, someone – we did.
5: We went, we, we oh, you did Advocates for Children. Yeah. Um. Because who the person was that was over it, the lottery didn't want to take the case.
2: Oh wow. It was so crazy. Oh, oh wow. At the end okay. of
5: the day, I'm glad I am the aggressive mom and schools know <laughs> when they know me. Like I've <laughs> heard you know about Beacon High School Entitled, you know, white right people who go there. <laughs> it's a very great high school, but it's very entitled <laughs> high school. I worked very. in that school for a little while
3: and you're gonna have a hard time having okay. you services in oh. there. Good luck. I know I
5: know. <laughs> but Lacey's getting to know me okay you know way that but the right. point was like one year my daughter didn't get any service. yeah
3: Well, they're not
5: that's true with an iep with iep it's a okay. public school but no, but, no, but no. to go but, but the point here is that there are parents who can't advocate as much as i advocate and that's the ones i feel bad for that don't but the point is is that like we have someone that we know that child is not in, 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 in an institution because our school, our middle school and elementary school, let her down. Her child can't read past a second grade level.
3: And and I to let, let her down. I'm sorry to cut you off. I think sometimes mm-hmm. I work in a school, right? And I get that, you you send your child to school, right? As a parent, you and I'm very, so it's right. Yeah. You, you're in charge of your child and what they get and what they don't get, mm-hmm. right? When I spoke earlier about the fact that sometimes the behaviors that are progressive at three, you saw that. And every school may not be at a point as others to, to get your child services. But if you're in a school and you see your child's not being serviced, it's your job to try to push or take them out. Because mm-hmm. every school isn't equipped to address your child's
5: issues, right?
3: So I just want to say that like in, you, in your discussion, what is your end game? If you're trying to get your child as many resources, you can work within the school. It's work, right, as a, as, as a social worker, I would have to, stop. I've gotten kids into um, alternative settings, right, but then there are some situations where you have to go down to get them evaluated, and go to the courts and all of that, but that can be stressful. That's a long process, you know, a, a relationship. There's a relationship with you in a school. Your kid's still in there for six months, you know what I mean, so it's like, what is your end game in doing that? I just
4: want to add to, sure. when I work at school too, the struggle that parents have is that the evaluations aren't cheap. Right. So when you talk about getting a thorough evaluation for your child outside of school, because the school evaluation is very surface, and okay. sure. mm-hmm. like more like learning disabilities, you're not going to really get a diagnosis. So in order to get a more like full comprehensive evaluation... Oh, neuropsych testing. Neuropsych testing! uh um, educational evaluation, you have to go out and find a, a doctor that's that are. work, however, a lot of them do not, take take that that's not covered under insurance, so you may get reimbursed for a part of it, but the initial evaluation is like $3,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you're talking about families that can't afford that, and it's real. Mm-hmm. I will say, I do work with kids on the spectrum. Um, So NYU has a really good program. I don't know if you're connected with NYU, but NYU does do a lot of um, comprehensive services for kids on the high-functioning autistic spectrum. So your child is in high school, so they're a little too old to get into a school-based program at this point unless they're in the ninth grade. No. Um, However, NYU does have all these studies.
0: Hey, hey, hey. So you heard part one of Uh, The audio from the event where myself, Helen Williams Nurse is moderating and Byron Young, MD, is there as well as Jeanette Oaks, LMSW. And tune in next week for the conclusion. Sounds like a soap opera, but tune in next week for the conclusion of the interview. And if you want to see the video from the interview it's going to be up on our youtube page uh be well You've listened to another episode of the Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Nikita Banks, licensed clinical social worker. And this is Black Therapist Podcast, formerly Black in Therapy. If you are looking for any information, any resources about today's show, or if you just want to drop a line and say, hey, and subscribe to our mailing list, you can do so at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. You can send us emails at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed what you heard, today, please like, comment, share, and subscribe because we want the show to grow as organically as we possibly can. And we cannot do that without you. Thank you for listening. Be well.